Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boxing fans around the world. We're back with a pretty decently exciting weekend of boxing. And I want to start by talking out an event that's not going to happen this weekend because it caught my eye. And I want you to go check out the face off for it because I think it's going to it's going to entice you that this is going to be a good year for boxing. And that's the face off that took place very recently between Javante Tank Davis and Raleigh Romero. I encourage you to go see this. I'm not talking about the one with him showing up in a fur. I'm talking about the one that just happened. I think it happened either today or yesterday, but check that one out. Go, go do, do a search, find it, find the, you don't need the full one, but the full one I think adds to the ambiance to it. Check that out, man, because these two guys, and I'll get to that when I get close to the fight, but this is a grudge match. And the beauty about that fight, you're dealing with knockout guys Tank less so, even though Tank has a high knockout percentage, he hasn't been nearly as much knockout as he used to be. And people have talked about the whole weight and weight draining and everything else in the conversation. This is one you're going to want to watch and check out for and see because Raleigh has fancied himself a knockout artist. Tank is a knockout artist. Raleigh is very unrefined. And skill is going to be the differentiator in this fight, but ultimately it's a grudge match between two guys that don't like each other. I'm telling you right now, check that off. Now, if you're one that gets offended by people using colorful language, you probably don't want to see it. But if you're one that's excited about real beef, bringing back real beef and real drama to the sport, you're going to want to watch that face off. So that's happening in May. We're not talking about that here. I just wanted to say you need to go check that out up at the front. Let's go ahead and get into our weekend of boxing. We got quite a few events happening. At the top, the return of Mr. Big Drama Joe. Uh, Gennady Golovkin returning against Ryota Murata out there in Japan in the Satama Arena. That's on DAZN. That's tomorrow. It's a all, three belts are on the line at 160 pounds. I've said I believe that Golovkin is very nearing the end of his career. Not even just because of age, but just wear and tear on his body. He's had a lot of challenges um, in the past with you know, saying anyone from 154 to 168, and then he stayed at 160, and he was trying to drain people down. And and then the fight against Danny Jacobs, the fight against Dario Vinchenko, didn't show that he was still at the top. And then, of course, this fight with Rio de Murata, this is going to decide whether Mr. Big Dramajo gets the third fight, the rubber match with the top dog, Canelo Alvarez. So he's got a lot of pressure on his shoulders. Many people have said that they don't see how Murata can win. I, You know what? I flip it. To me, I think Ryota Murata has a strong probability of upsetting Golovkin. I feel like even though Golovkin should pull it out just based on, you know, he has a solid chin, he's durable. The truth is you've had guys that had solid chins and were durable the majority of their career coming up. And then as they got older, the chin was a little bit questionable. Like when you looked at, uh, Ray Leonard when he came back and he was older and he was still fighting when he really shouldn't have been like when he fought against Larry Holmes or you know when he fought against um, Hector Macho Camacho like we saw that Leonard ultimately when he went out at 147 he was nowhere near as durable at 147 it seemed like he was eating punches as candy and he went up and then he got older and then he's getting dropped he's getting rocked he's getting wobbled it's like crazy same with Tommy Hearns to some degree, although I would say Hearns got more durable as he went up in weight. As he got older, it got harder for him to take punches like he did in his prime, normally, naturally. I think with Golovkin, 
His age plays a factor, but also wear and tear on his body, the wars he's been in with some some of these guys. I believe Murata can absolutely, absolutely pull something out. Murata has losses on the record. Golovkin has the one loss to Triple G. But Murata is the fresher of the two. I think Murata is the more preserved of the two, in my opinion. I think style-wise, Murata is a bad style matchup, or can be, if he uses his height and he uses his range and he's moving like he needs to. Because Golovkin's a stalker. He's going to try to stalk you. If Murata is effective, let's say if Murata is able to box similar to the way Danny Jacobs did, but use more of the height and the reach, I, I don't see this easy work for Golovkin. I see it's going to be a tough out for him. I see he's going to have a hard time. I think, honestly, the only reason people are giving Murata less credit is because of the Rob Brandt fight. And that's not fair because you got to look at styles and style match and how people go in the ring. I'm not calling either, but if my gut had to make a prediction, I'm leaning Murata for an upset on this one. I could get away wrong. Golovkin could go out there and completely destroy Riona Murata and, you know, show that he's young and not ready. I see Murata could pull this out, and my gut tell is leaning that way. My gut leans that Murata's going to be showing some stuff that we ain't seen before, especially because he's got a lot to prove here. He's got a lot to showcase in his campaign to get, uh, get to the next level. I think a lot of people are fixated too much on trying to beat Golovkin by stoppage or knockout. I don't think that's the signature here. I think the signature for Murata is box smart and get a decision because you're in your hometown, number one. And Japan, it's not really as bad as like the UK. But I think you're in your hometown, get the decision, showcase your skills, box smart, stay away from Golovkin's power, don't let him stalk you, and damn sure, don't let him back you into a corner. So don't go backwards against Golovkin. Go lateral, keep moving laterally, catch him off angles. Make him make mistakes, trap, and then hit him with some stuff. Continue that for 12, and I think we could see an upset decision for Ryota Murata. It would not surprise me. I'm not making that prediction because I can't think of, I can't know what's in Murata's head. I'm saying that to me, he has a strong opportunity here to get probably the biggest win of his career, and he's slightly older. He's not like past prime, but he's slightly older. He started late. I'm pretty sure he did, but at least it would be a signature win. And it might help Golovkin convince himself it's time to retire finally on chance. So that's happening on DAZN tomorrow for IBF, IBO, and WBA middleweight supremacy. And, of course, the big title that's on the line that's unspoken is that Golovkin's got to pull this out if he's going to get that third win, that third match against uh, Canelo Alvarez. In lightweight action, the return of Kryan Garcia against Emmanuel Tagoy. This is also on DAZN. It's taking place out in Texas at the Alamo Dome if you're local. I'm not going to tell you that this is an easy stroll for Ryan Garcia because I feel like he's had some issues, mental issues, emotional issues, spiritual issues. He's had issues all the way around, even physical at some point. And him backing out of fights and all the drama and all the stuff, I heard that he was having you know relationship issues. He's had a lot spinning around him. And to be so young and have so much smoke around him, at some point that distraction is going to start getting into play. And my concern would be we start seeing the lightweight version of Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. 
who had similar situations, but he's obviously older. I just think for whatever reason, he's got bad people around him and he need to clean it all up and get kind of get smarter. Like Errol Spence had to do the same thing at one point. He was running deep and he had to get smarter about how, you know, the kind of people that were around him and the kind of influences that were around him. He had to get smarter about it because at Garcia's age for him to have the kind of stuff that's affecting him and the kind of things we're seeing, it's like seeing Broner and Broner's in his thirties and Broner, he had built a persona around that Garcia didn't Garcia was kind of built for him. Like he didn't build it himself. So the real story to me of this fight is what's Garcia's mindset going into this. I don't think it's about to go. I think to go has a solid pedigree enough that he could pull an upset. I think it's unlikely. I believe that Garcia is just skilled enough to be able to get to go out of here I would expect a knockout or a stoppage, probably a stoppage of Togoe. I would expect that Garcia would showcase strong skills, but it's really going to where Garcia's mind's at going into the fight. Where is he? We don't know because of the backouts and everything else that's been happening. And he seemed like he was just running 500 miles an hour and then burnt out. Now that he's coming off the burnout, we don't know what that means. He went and got tats, which didn't make any damn sense to me. So, that's going to be the question. It's not about skill in that fight. It's going to be, where's Garcia about? It's all about him. It's his fight to lose. At junior middleweight action on Showtime at the Virgin Hotel in, in uh, Las Vegas, Erickson Lubin rather versus Sebastian Fondora. There's a lot of people looking forward to this fight as somewhat of a slight grudge match. Not really, but a slight grudge match. Uh, it's got a pretty decent undercard, too, uh, to be fair. So I think this one's going to be the highlight of this weekend is Lubin and Fundora. Um, you've got um, Tony Harrison. He's making his return after the pandemic. He's coming back. Kevin Salgado is an up-and-coming guy uh, out of Mexico. He's exciting. He's worth the price, I think, to watch him. <laughs> he, he reminds me of Kema, um, Carlos Ocampo, in his rise. So he, I think he's worth watching. Those are on the undercard. Check. I think you should check this out. Uh, this fight, the the main event, Lubin and Fundora. While I don't follow these guys, I understand kind of what we're what we're dealing with here. I understand the two guys and what they bring to the table. I think that Fundora. The thing about Fundora, he's kind of this. He's kind of an attraction in of himself because he's so freaking tall, and he's just. And just stylistically, he's also good, but he's also just rangy and tall. And you look at him and it's like you get intimidated when you see the guy. But he's been rocked before. He's had a couple challenges in some of his fights. Uh, so it's not like he's like this dominant, you know, Tommy Hearns type. But just the visual is one where you're like, man, this dude's something. And Erickson Lubin is rock solid as a fighter. If anybody can really test where Fundora truly is, it's going to be. Erickson Lubin and I'm excited to see what this is going to be in when it comes fight night I think it's going to be really good I'm proud to see Fundora go up to 154 because man he was fighting I, I remember he was fighting at 147 for a couple of fights and I'm like dude you're just tall and lanky and 147 might not be enough and his legs are like really thin so I think 154 might be a better fit for him overall and if he can develop one thing I want to see him develop better is his defense. And this will be a good test against somebody like Lubin because Lubin, when he hits you, <laughs> it's you're not questioning his power. So 
this is going to be a good measure of Fundora's defense. Can he protect himself? It's not even about, like, stylistically, I think his offense is good. I think his movement is good. I just think defense has always been an open question. And I want to see how that plays out come fight night. This, I think, is going to be a, this event, I, I believe, will be the highlight. I don't think it's going to be Golovkin Murata. I'm sure Golovkin Murata is going to be a solid fight. But I get the sense that it's not. It's going to be like a Golovkin Jacobs, which wasn't really that exciting type fight. It just because like Murata is not going to be that aggressor that you might want to see against Golovkin. I've always said that the person I think that gives Golovkin problems is somebody who's not afraid of him and that tries to walk him down. Because it's only when the person's on the back foot that Golovkin is most effective. We saw that with Canelo against the second fight when Canelo's walking the man down Mexican style. Golovkin had less answers. He was still effective, but nowhere near what he was when in the first fight, Canelo's going back to the ropes all the time. So again, I'm not dismissing Golovkin Murata. I'm saying that it feels to me like Golovkin Murata is a similar flow to Golovkin Jacobs, meaning it's not memorable. It's kind of forgettable. I think Lubin Fundora has the makings of a good fight, and then it's got good people coming on the undercard. I think that event's going to win the night of all the ones I see for... Uh, this weekend. Uh, super featherweight on the women's division. We got Michaela Mayer making her return. She's fighting Jennifer Hahn. This is on ESPN. Uh, it's out in California and Costa Mesa at the hangar. It's for the WBO and IBF titles. Of course, Michaela Mayer is one of the top women fighters right now. The interesting thing on this one, I don't follow, I follow the women, but not deeply. I follow some of them. I think what happens here is we've got a situation with Michaela Mayer that is going to tell us a lot about where she goes next. Her opponent on this event, Jennifer Hahn, is fresh off a loss, a pretty dominant loss uh, against Katie Taylor. Katie Taylor, of course, is arguably one of the top in women boxing. And the reason I say that this is kind of that fight to watch for Michaela Mayer is that Michaela Mayer has never struggled, in my opinion, in any fight, whereas Taylor has struggled. She struggled against Person. So that's not in of itself significant, but it's something to watch that Mayer should run right through Jennifer Hahn just based on skill. We're talking skill level. She should run right through her. And so watching this fight will tell us a lot about where mayor is levels wise mentally when she goes in there and if she can take out Han like actually stop her knock her out that would be ideal I would want to see that because I think for whatever reason and it may be politics possibly but for whatever reason mayor has not had the same level of exposure that I think she should have against more of the top level of the women she's had just the one which is Hamadosh and that was a Fight of the year candidate, easy. Uh, Bronica, of course, that was for a title. So she's had shots. It's just, it seems like she had not had as much as you might expect at this stage of her career. She's in her 30s. She's still somewhat youngish. So we're not, it's not an age situation. She's still dominating those that she's in there with. Um, with the Hamadosh fight, I didn't think she completely dominated, but she was certainly, she proved she was a superior fighter, arguably. Uh, there was no question about that. But I think Hamadosh just gave her stylistic problems. I don't think it was anything about superior skill. Just the styles clash just seemed to 
it kind of threw her a little bit, Mayor. But I want to watch this Han fight to understand, okay, now where do we go? Because now you're you're a unified champion. You are arguably lineal at Super Feather. But what does that mean? And is it true that you're the, the one to beat, right? Visually, do we see that you're the one to beat? And your performance now against this common opponent will tell us if you're really the one to beat or you're kind of on the second tier. And there's nothing wrong with being second tier because this division, or I'll say these divisions because they kind of bounce division, you know, super featherweight, lightweight in the women's side is getting hot and heavy. And so I don't know that there's, I don't know that it's just a fluke or there's something else. What I want to see is where we go from here with her. I will watch this fight. I think it's worth seeing the fight and seeing who moves forward. I doubt she's going to lose. I would be shocked if I ever saw her lose uh, to Jennifer Hahn's level of fighter. But Jennifer Hahn might cause stylistic problems. We don't know until we get their fight night. So that one's, again, on ESPN. Top Rank is booking that one out in California at the Hangar this weekend. I still maintain that the, to me, from my eyes, the highlight of the weekend is going to be Lubin and Fundora. Not just because of the main event, but also because of the undercard guys fighting. Check it all out. I'm going to check out these fights for sure. I want to see where Crying Garcia's head's at. I want to see what Golovkin looks like. Uh, I want to see if Murata's able to pull it out. I want to see the Lubin Fundora outcome, and I want to see where Mayer is. This weekend is a really good weekend of boxing, and um, the other nice part about it is that because like two of them are on DAZN, it means that at worst, if you had DAZN, you're catching 50% of what's out there to watch. The top rank one, that one's probably, I think that one's on regular TV, broadcast TV, I would assume it is, and then Showtime is probably, probably Showbox, I would assume. So it means that it should be easy to catch the fights if you want to catch the fights this weekend. I do recommend it um, if you're a boxing fan, and I'm assuming if you're listening to this that you are. I would definitely recommend checking this stuff out. Fundora's going to tell us some stuff. Lubin's going to test that one. That one's a good exercise. I I know I keep talking about it, but of the ones listed, that one's the one that's, that seems like the standout. You would think it's Garcia and Tagoe, but Tagoe's not... Tagoe's not like elite he's not elite he's just solid right he's a solid guy and Garcia has admitted he's got flaws you know so we we look at this and we say it should be like a fight of the year candidate if we're being honest just based on where to go he's been his his road he's traveled but I doubt it I think Garcia will deal with that easily because he wants to make a statement that all the stuff that happened in the past was a fluke whether it was or not I think he wants to send that statement. So that's our weekend of boxing. And then I have an announcement for those listening to the duration. Combat Talk Radio is going to be starting to do coverage on M1. And if you haven't heard of M1, shame on you, but that's okay. M1 deals with medieval type fighting. So you got guys that they're literally wearing armor and they're beating the crap out of each other with swords and axes. It's You watch it and it's like train crash. It's just an interesting thing. So I'm going to be doing coverage of that separate from the weekly so it'll be on friday but it'll be a separate upload to just talk about first this first episode is going to be kind of introduction to here's what it is here's what i see here's what the premise and some of the guys i see in it and then i'll do 
kind of the coverage of different events that they're doing. They post their events like weeks later. So I'm coming after the fact, but I want to talk about what I'm seeing of it at least and do that as an additional thing and see how that goes. So that's all I got for you guys. I'll check in with you guys probably on Sunday after the fights take place with some post fight thoughts.